Hello everyone, welcome to the Dollars and Cents podcast, this is your host, Samara Mo. In this podcast, in this episode, I will be talking about um, one of my heroes in the field of investing, and his name is John Max Templeton. Firstly, I'm going to read... I'm going to just read um, his biography. So I'm going to go on to Google, Wikipedia, and read his biography. But before I read his biography, let me give some context. Um, firstly, this is he's an investing legend. Okay, let me just give a short introduction. He's an investing legend. He he's also one of he also follows he wasn't mentored by Benjamin Graham which is the father of value investing but he is he follows the same philosophy of investing which is he looks for bargains um, in companies in stocks and he purchases them he is famous for saying that during times of maximum pessimism invest during times of maximum pessimism right there's no like his exact words but something along that line and I fully subscribe to that TV if you look at um, his career during the Great Depression in the 1930s I think he he bought every stock that was under a dollar and he spent around ten thousand dollars he spent around ten thousand dollars and bought every stock that was under a dollar during the Great Depression during World War Two. After the war, the stock market soared again. After the depression, the stock market soared again. And those companies, some of which, even bankrupt companies, he bought them, and he made billions and hundreds of millions and billions of dollars from that after world war ii in japan nobody wanted to go to japan everyone left japan so the real land there was really cheap real estate was really affordable and he bought a lot of real estate there and in the 80s when japan became um re- a really powerful economy in the world he is because he all bought those lands for next to nothing and now in the 80s when Japan became one of the most powerful economies in the world everyone wanted to go to Japan and the, the price of assets and lands there just skyrocketed and he made a lot of money from that um, that investment in Brazil the same thing in, not in Brazil, pardon me, but in Latin America, in South America, during the inflation of 1970s or 80s, I think, he also made a lot of money from that in the early 1980s. He made a lot of money from investing in those countries. So he looks for everyone, you know, during an economic crisis, everyone says, you know, it's a crisis, everyone panics, everyone sells, you know, their assets like the 2008 financial crisis, like the tech bubble, um, the internet tech 
bubble in 1999 and early 2000s everyone panics and runs away from crashes and market economic um, crisis he loves economic crisis because that's when everything can be bought at a very low price every asset that you cannot buy during good times you have access to buy them when the economy is in a bad position or state that's why every smart investor every smart investor waits for the market to go down okay the market is made up of people it's a transaction someone buys someone sells so a market is made up of two people making a transaction right so the market is people so when everyone you know is a contrary investor contrarian investor what that means is that he bets against everyone else and if he's right he makes a lot of money and that's what Ray Dalio said investing is betting against the consensus and being right if you can bet against everyone and be right you win you make money in the market because investing like I said is a zero-sum game Anyways, most of his philosophies is great. He's one of the first, you know, e, uh, macro investors. He invested globally in different countries, different assets. Um, he's, you know, he, he made, I think, 13, he sold his mutual fund for 13 billion, I think, in the early 1990s. He's, he's a legend. He's a legend, and he believes in investing during times of economic um crisis so i'm going to go to wikipedia and i'm just going to read um his biography you know if some of you are commuting to work you guys don't have time to read and you guys just like listening to podcasts this um i'm just going to read his biography if you're interested you can stay on and um listen to me read his biography so Sir John Max Templeton, November 1912. So he was born on November 1912, 8th of July. Uh, <laughs> forgive me. He was born on November 29th, November 1912. And he passed on in 8th July 2008. So he passed on during the financial crisis. He was an American-born British investor, banker, fund manager, and philanthropist. In 1954, he entered the mutual fund market and created the Templeton Growth Fund, which averaged growth over 15% per year for 38 years. He is a pioneer of emerging market investing in the 1960s. Money Magazine named him arguably the greatest global stock picker of the century in 1999. His early life and education John Max Templeton was born in the town of Winchester, Tennessee and attended Yale University where he was an assistant business manager for campus human magazine Yale Record and was selected for membership in the LEU Society. He, finan he financed a portion of his tuition with winnings from playing poker, a game at which he excelled. That's the thing. I, I find like even Carl Icahn. Carl Icahn financed you know, a lot of his um, tuition fees, I think, um, to go to medical school. He went to Princeton, obviously he's a smart guy. 
from playing poker. There's one thing coming about some of these billionaires. All of them are good at playing poker. So I think poker is poker is a good game. If you were thinking of investing, um, learn how to play poker. It's just a, a suggestion. <laughs> but yeah. He financed a portion of his tuition with the winnings from playing poker, a game at which he excelled. He graduated in 1934 near the top of his class. He attended Balliol College in Oxford University as a Rhodes Scholar and earned an MA in Law. He was a CFA charter holder and was a student of the father of value investing Benjamin Graham. So he was a student of Benjamin Graham himself. His investment career? Templeton, during the depression of the 1930s, bought 100 shares of each New York Stock Exchange listed company which was then selling for less than a dollar a share, $19 today. Whoa, a dollar in the Great Depression is equivalent to $19 today. Wow. Inflation. 104 companies. 34 in bankruptcy in 1939. Later making many times the money back when US industry picked up as a result of World War II. According to Templeton, According to Templeton, he called his broker the day World War II began and instructed him to purchase every stock trading at less than a dollar. This this stratagem helped make him a wealthy man. Templeton became a billionaire by pioneering the use of globally diversified mutual funds. His Templeton Growth Fund Established in 1954, was among the first to invest in Japan in the middle of 1960s. Templeton also created funds specifically in certain industries such as nuclear energy, chemicals, and electronics. By 1959, Templeton went public with five further more than $66 million under management. In 2006, he was listed in a seven-way tie for 129th place in the Sunday Times Rich List. His investment philosophy, Money Magazine in 1999 called him arguably the greatest global stock picker of the century. Templeton attributed much of his success to his ability to maintain an elevated mood, avoid anxiety, and stay disciplined. He rejected technical analysis for stock trading, preferring instead to use fundamental analysis. So from the late 1930s, Templeton and his colleagues developed sophisticated quantitative finance methods that anticipated by decades now common features such as the Schiller PE rebalancing and Tobin's Q. Despite the name of his flagship fund, Templeton Growth Fund, he was more a practitioner of value investing rather than growth investing. Templeton focused on buying stocks he calculated were substantially undervalued, holding them until selling when their price rose to fair market value. His average holding period was about four years. He believed holding assets priced above fair market in hopes they would further increase in price was speculation, not investing. However, Templeton did not buy stocks merely because they were undervalued, but also took care investing in companies he determined were profitable, well-managed, and with good long-term potential. 
By emphasizing overlooked or unpopular stocks, Templeton was in many ways a contrarian and became known for its avoiding the head and buy when there's blood in the streets, philosophy to take advantage of market turmoil. He also was known for taking profits when value and expectations were high. He was among the earliest American investors to devote substantial focus to investment opportunities in then overlooked foreign markets such as Asia and Eastern Europe. Always on the lookout for bargain price stocks and hoping to avoid expensive stocks, he rotated out of Japan stocks as they became more fashionable in the 1970s and turned to US stocks when they were at historic lows. He did not attempt to predict future stock movements but paid close attention to valuation. In 2005, he wrote a brief memorandum predicting that within five years there would be financial chaos in the world anticipating a collapse of the housing market and declining yields on government-issued bonds to near zero. Templeton also predicted within the next few decades a major decrease in traditional schooling due to internet-based learning options initially privately circulated to family and a small number of Franklin Templeton management. The memo was eventually made public in 2010. Templeton was a chartered financial analyst. He received AIMR Ours first award for professional excellence in 1999, 1991. Templeton married Judith Folk. This is a brief overview of his personal life. Templeton married Judith Folk in 1937, and the couple had three children: John, Anne, and Christopher. Judith Templeton died in February 1951 in a motorbike accident. He remarried to Irene Reynolds Butler in 1958. She died in 1993. A Christian, he was a lifelong member of the Presbyterian Church. He served as an elder of the First Presbyterian Church of Inglewood. Uninterested in consumerism, he lived relatively frugally, drove his own car, never flew first class and lived year-round in the Bahamas. A friend jokingly described Templeton as Calvinist in his approach to world. He believed it's okay to make money so long as you don't enjoy it. On July, on 8 July 2008, Templeton died at Doctor's Hospital in Nassau, Bahamas of pneumonia at 12.20. He was 95 and was survived by two sons, one of whom John Templeton Jr. has since died in 2015 of brain cancer. Templeton was one of the most generous philanthropists in history giving away over a billion dollars to charitable causes. Templeton re-announced his U.S. citizenship in 1964, allowing him to avoid paying $100 million that he would have paid in U.S. income tax when he sold his international investment fund. Instead of channeling the funds towards his philanthropy, instead funneling, channeling the funds towards his philanthropy efforts, he held dual neutralized Bahamian and British citizenship and lived in the Bahamas. In 2007, Templeton was named one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential people, Time 100, under the category of power givers. Templeton was given dishonor for his pursuit of spiritual understanding often through scientific research through his establishment of the John Templeton Foundation. Okay. Templeton. 
So this is a brief um, biography of John Templeton, one of the legends of investing, one of my personal favorite investors. Um, in the f in future episodes, probably I will um, introduce other famous billionaire investors that have started from scratch. Now, none of these people that I'm going to talk about in future episodes have have inherited their wealth. John Templeton, Carl Icahn, Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio all started from scratch and became multi-billionaires through investing. Okay, so you can learn a thing or two from, you know, like they say, success leaves clue. Leaves clue. If you surround yourself with people who think the same way, you will become successful like them. You are the average of the five people you spend time with. If you read these biographies, become inspired by these biographies, see how these people made their money, you can also carve out your own part in your niche in this industry, the finance industry, yeah, and in business. The second, every one of us was born with a purpose, and we must find that. Every one of us is a niche. If you're listening to this podcast, that means you're interested in business, investing, economics. You were born for this. So keep, um, keep listening to these episodes, future episodes, I will bring more content, talk about, talk a little more, a little bit more about all these investors and share other investors, other billionaire investors that are, you know, very few of them. Uh, today we have, the finance industry is a really big industry, we have thousands of fund managers and millions upon millions of fund managers and thousands of 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 funds around the world and these people are the unicorns if you learn from them if you model them you may not get the same results they have they got right but you can get you can you can get to some place where you'll be financially well off right not everyone can i know how to play basketball but i cannot play at michael jordan level right so i i know you guys understand what i'm saying not all of us are going to become billionaires but if we model this billionaires um if we practice apply the same principles that they have applied in our lives in our finances we will be financially we will be in a financially better place because success is happy you being fulfilled that you are doing something that you feel that you are born to do and you are happy about it it's not having a lot of money so thank you all for listening to this podcast and see you all in future episodes